0: Spencer Linton and Jason Shepard. BYU Sports Station is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in
1: Studio B, presented by the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere Thursday, December 30th, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up alongside a man who is better known as the Tony Hawk of longboarding, Jason Shepard. Um... Sure. Why not? Uh, I've never
2: been on a longboard. Have you ever, have you been on a longboard? I have been on a longboard. I was not on the
1: longboard for a long time, Jason. <laughs> yeah.
2: I've never been on a longboard. Uh, I had been on a skateboard back in the day. Uh, I wanted a skateboard for, for a birthday present one time. Because of Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future? Well, I mean, that was certainly part of it, because uh, it is the greatest <laughs> movie of all time. Um, but story with the, with the skateboard. So, I think it was probably eighth grade. Okay, I just got in the skateboard. I was so happy, so happy. I was riding it to school. Going to school, I have to go down this really, really big hill. I am not great at, you know, being on a skateboard. Jason Shepard's bombing a hill. I I get on my skateboard at the top of the hill. I'm going down, and I realize immediately I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm picking up steam. I'm getting really fast. I'm talking. This is like a steep hill, okay? And I, I panic. I absolutely panic. And the only thing I can think of is to just jump off the skateboard. (laughs) Big mistake. Because as you know, you know, uh, when something's moving really fast and you jump off. You're still moving fast. You're still moving fast. And you cannot just immediately stop and land on your feet. Physics at work, people. Yes. uh, That did not end well for me. I scraped up just about every part of my body. Like, just blood everywhere on my knees, elbows. Uh, So that, from that point on decided to to square off the uh, the skateboard. That's where the longboarding legend of Jason <laughs> Shepherd began and ended. <laughs> What's the point of the I honestly since I've never had the longboard is it what is the purpose of the longboard? Like what
1: what what makes it like, wh- why? Why does the longboard exist? Now, to me, it's just a relaxing way to get around places. I think it... Is there a benefit for the board to be longer? <laughs> <laughs> that I, I, I have see, no that's idea that's I'm about. asking. Like, what's the point of it? Why I, are we discussing longboards? Because I've got a new piece of swag for the BYU Sports Nation. That set. is nice. This was designed by my awesome brother-in-law, Mark Lowe, who uh, is an empty nester now. He and my sister, Lisa... Have survived their three kids. They're all out of the house. And now he's got some extra time on his hands. And when your kids leave the house, you create things. And he's maximizing that. How cool is that? Okay, so this is the underside of the board with the BYU Sports Nation logo. I mean, he went to the detail of finding like the exact font of BYU Sports Nation and it's laser blades nice on. But then look at the other side on the top of the board with the Sailor Coug. Ooh. How sweet is that? That is awesome. Does he take requests? <laughs> because if he's got free time, I wouldn't mind having something I'm, commissioned. I'm sure he does take requests. <laughs> so, Jason, you can put one in officially now. <laughs> but we're going to add this to the set. We'll find a good place for it. I uh, just thought that was a really unique piece that uh, we can add to now the BYUSN set.
2: That's very cool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Sailor like, Coon, how cool like, is that? That's
2: been in our office for, for you know, like a week or two. I did not realize your brother-in-law's the one that
1: did he that. He designed it. That's awesome. He designed it. Uh he also designed one for his friend who is a big Utah fan, and I told him to very carefully work in a twenty-six seventeen detail into that board that would only be
2: known yeah. to us. You need to throw in something that only those that are in the know would know there's something BYU <laughs> on it. So every time he's so proud to show everybody his Ute board. <laughs> a 2617 Little did he know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, he couldn't work in the de facto Pac 12 South champion without that being noticed, but we think that uh, a 26 17 can I like how he it. I like it a lot. Board. Great stuff. All right, we've got a great show lineup for everyone as well, including Harvey Unga on the show, BYU running backs coach, discussing why he believes Tyler Algier is the greatest to ever run the ball at BYU. That's a strong opinion, Jason. And where does Tyler Algier's last season rank among the greatest season? By BYU running backs. Big conversation there. BYU basketball, of course, wrapping up the non conference schedule in a strange game last night against Westminster. (laughs) Now they've got a full week off before their conference opener. Is that just what the doctor ordered? Emphasis on doctor. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines.
2: I could have used a doctor after jumping off my skateboard in eighth (laughs) (laughs) grade. Do that again. (laughs) No, I will not. Men's basketball beat Westminster 65-53 to wrap up non-conference play. Gideon George led the Cougars with a season-high 17 points and a career-high 5.0. three-pointers made. Hunter Erickson also saw some extra minutes last night and it paid off big with a career-high 10 points. BYU now sits at 12-3 and 3 heading into West Coast Conference play whenever that begins. Right. And head coach Mark Pope says he's proud of his team and the way that they played during the non-con.
1: Close the book on the non-conference schedule. Unbelievably proud. So proud of what these guys have accomplished in at 12-3 and 3 with one of the hardest schedules of the entire country. For a number of different reasons and so uh, i couldn't be
0: more excited about where we are and now it's time to go to work
1: well he's mentioned one of the toughest schedules in the country byu six and one against ncaa tournament teams from a season ago i know not all of those teams are going to make the tournament this year but still byu's played the most combined quad one and quad two games to this point in the season of any team in the country 12 and three that is impressive byu men's basketball at portland As we just alluded to on New Year's Day, postponed because of COVID issues with Portland. They are on COVID pause. In fact, five of the seven West Coast Conference men's basketball games have already been affected by COVID stoppages. The new season opener for BYU tips off against Pacific January 6th in the Marriott Center, 9 Eastern. You can watch it, listen to it live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU Hoops doesn't even play until next year.
2: They didn't even play till next year. So far off. Yeah, exactly. Staying along those same lines, uh, just as a reminder, tonight's women's basketball game against San Diego has been postponed due to COVID issues with the Toreros. Man. BYU's game against Portland on Saturday is still scheduled to be played. You can watch it at 4 Eastern on BYU TV and the app. I'm hoping that still happens. Yeah, I mean, like, as of right now, it's set to be played. But you're talking about the men's team for Portland having issues. Does, so yeah. now do the
1: women have enough yes. available players right. to come down? But and, right now, it's set to be played on Saturday afternoon at 4 Eastern. All right. My flight back from Las Vegas early in the morning on New Year's Day is still on. Maybe maybe, maybe you'll get a – maybe. It, <laughs> we, who knows? If you can stay
2: in Vegas a couple extra days, who knows? We'll see.
1: The NCAA has announced as of yesterday they are still planning on holding. The NCAA Tournament, in its usual March Madness form with various sites, Dan Gavitt, Senior Vice President in charge of basketball said, quote, there has been no discussion of going back to the bubble, end quote. Now, as fun as it was to be in Indianapolis and to watch BYU play in historic Hinkle Fieldhouse last year, there were no fans, limited family, media. It was just so strange. And of course, it didn't end well for BYU losing to an eventual Final Four team in UCLA. Fans are such a huge yeah. part of that atmosphere. And so I'm glad, I'm excited that the NCAA yes. is saying now, hey, look, we know there are a lot of COVID stoppages. We're still planning on having these alternate sites.
2: And I, I love that. I love what we're seeing in the professional ranks where the games are going on. Now, there may be some, like in the NBA, you have a couple of games that, it, but that's only because they don't have enough players to play. If, if they had had enough, they will, would continue to play these games. I, I'm glad that, that they're taking. Look, and we're also talking about a couple of months away. There's no reason to make any decisions about something that's taking yes. place in March now.
1: Right. And I'm watching what the NFL is doing. I applaud the NFL. I feel like they're handling this the right way. Yes, agreed. I think basketball is trying to do it in a similar fashion. Agreed. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending.
0: You're you're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. What's
1: Trending presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Tyler Algier, the topic of conversation once again. We'll talk with running backs coach Harvey Unga in about 10 minutes to hear what he thinks about Tyler's last season in 2021. Jason, it's time for us to lay out where we think Tyler Algier's 2021 campaign ranks all-time for BYU. So, Jason, straight up, where would you put the 2021 season and what Tyler Algier did all-time against some of those remarkable seasons that have happened in the past?
2: I thoroughly enjoyed doing the research on this. This was a lot of fun for a couple of reasons. Number one it was a great reminder of just how many fantastic running backs that BYU has had come Absolutely. through the program. And, and, and a lot of these guys have come within the last 20 to 25 years, which is really cool. Uh, but I, it was also great to have these memories come back to me. Like, oh, yeah, I remember that season. I remember that run in that season. Uh, for me, Tyler Algier's season, and let's, for those, let's just let's just refresh – 2021, 1,601 yards, 23 touchdowns, uh, 5.8 yards per carry, so almost six yards per carry. I have it as the number two season in BYU history from a running back. You have chosen wisely, Jason. Yes, I have it number two. Number one. Is, is Luke Staley, and it's Luke Staley's 2001 season where he had 1,582 yards, and I, I understand it may sound a little weird because we're saying that in the season in which Tyler Algier passed Luke Staley for the most yards in a season that he doesn't get the number one spot, I, I'm still going with Luke Staley and for a couple of reasons. He had one more touchdown, and that's not so much the reason. He had 24 touchdowns versus what Tyler had this year at 23. The, the biggest reason I'm giving it to Luke Staley, 8 touchdowns yards per carry.
1: He did it in 11 games, Jason!
2: Eight? We're talking about every time you gave the ball to Luke Staley, he basically got a first down. <laughs> Every time you handed him the ball. Not throwing him the ball. No.
1: Handing him the ball. So,
2: so for me, Luke Staley's 2001 season is still the greatest year we have ever seen out of a running back. But a very close second was what we saw from Tyler Algier, which is absolutely remarkable. If you're kind of curious where some of the other seasons went, I had I had Jamal Williams' 2016 season at number three. I had uh, Pete Van Valkenburg back in 19. 19- 1972, I had him uh number four. Harvey Unger's 2007 season at number five. And then Curtis Brown in 2005, I had him as the sixth best season, season. for a running back at BYU. So that, that's kind of how I – this was a lot of fun to do. Yes, this is a different
1: conversation than say, okay, where do you rank Tyler Algier among the greatest running backs overall at BYU? We're just looking at individual seasons – I agree with you. Number two behind only Luke Staley, who won the Doak Walker Award yes. as the best running back in the entire country that season. The yards per carry, 8.03, is just insane. I know BYU didn't play a tough schedule in 2001. But again, what I just said, it shows that Luke played in 12 games. He didn't actually play in 12 games in 2001. He had to sit out a game because of a weird NCAA issue. BYU was worried about a compliance thing, so he sat out one game and then didn't play against Hawaii or in the bowl game against Louisville because of the injury against Mississippi State. And not surprisingly, BYU lost those two yeah. games and finished twelve and two. So Luke Staley put together his resume. In 11 games, 1,582 yards, 24 touchdowns. I know, not the level of competition week in and week out that Tyler Algier faced, but I feel like Luke Staley, if he had the offensive line that Tyler Algier had this year against even this schedule, he would have done something similar, if not even better than Tyler Algier. He was that type of talent. Physical, speedy, they're similar in that regard, right? Very much so, very much so. So I still think Luke had the best season. Doak Walker Award only punctuates that. Tyler Algier, number two. And that's not to take anything away from what Psycho T did. Yeah, It is psycho what he did against seven power five teams. And he almost carried the entire walking wounded BYU team with so many starters out in that bowl game. To a victory by himself. Well, And it was, it was the
2: consistency, not just the consistency in terms of the production, but the consistency that game in and game out, he was there. That's in, – in especially in this era that we're playing in, and I'm talking about the last two years with COVID, the fact that he was there and was available to play – Look, and I've talked about his breakaway speed. That—that's the thing, and I think that's the thing that that he and Luke Staley both had at their size. Their speed was absolutely insane.
1: Tyler Algier will shock a lot of people when he is laser timed on his NFL draft day because he did it in the spring twice. He was clocked at sub four 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 three nine forty laser timed. He's gonna do it again. He will shock. With his size, the NFL scouts, of how much speed he has with that frame. At what point do
2: you think that Tyler Algier would break away from you if you both started at the same time?
1: (laughs) Three (laughs) yards in? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
2: oh man but so would many you grapes. still be wearing the maroon shorts because that no, plays a no, role I in learned. it learned
1: i would actually wear something that you know was aerodynamic and have like and spice, blue and be indoor and blue not outside running into a headwind <laughs>
2: holy cow so many excuses
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey don't 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 516 unofficial jason okay, okay so laser down. timed <laughs> That's not important. Our question of the day, where does Tyler Algiers' 2021 season rank all-time for BYU running backs? We discussed some great ones. Obviously, Luke Staley, Algiers, Jamal Williams had an amazing 2016. Pete Van Valkenburg led the nation in rushing in 1972 when Lavelle started his pass-happy offense. What do you think, BYU Sports Nation? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
0: This is the Voice of the Nation. On BYU Sports Nation. Timothy Paul on Facebook answers, the season?
1: Number one. He's got the all-time single season record. True. Had more games to do it than Luke Staley. Not to mention the punch. Now, is that the X factor? Does that play? Which didn't even factor into what he did offensively. Right, yeah. Does that give him the X factor or the Y factor to give him the greatest individual season? Look, it's the best play. It's the best play. There's there's no ifs, sure. ands, or buts about it. That was the best play. I would retort that Luke Staley had 320 yards receiving and four touchdowns receiving as well as a running back. Tyler didn't have any receiving touchdowns. The, the, the
2: play of Luke Staley that season is the run down the far sideline to beat
1: Utah. Yes. that's that's to Staley. Yes, that's the
2: play. That's the play.
1: For sure. Oh, it's a fun conversation.
2: By the way, Lavelle Edwards Stadium or Cougar Stadium at the time, that place went absolutely insane. I I will never forget the feeling in that stadium.
1: It lifted off the ground. Yes, it did. Like six inches. Yes, it did. (laughs) The entire stadium. (laughs) All right. Send in your responses. Hashtag BYUSN. All right. Coming up, is BYU being in this top 25 an insult or a compliment? And one of the greatest running backs ever at BYU is now the running backs coach, Harvey Unga, on why he tweeted out... Tyler's the best ever run the ball at BYU.
0: This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tomorrow as
2: we count down the five best moments of 2021 in BYU sports on a New Year's Eve BYU Sports Nation special. We look back on the past year in BYU athletics at noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU radio.
1: What a way to close out a memorable 2021. We are live in Studio B on the penultimate day of 2021 with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jason Shepard. Our absolute pleasure now to bring in Harvey Unga, who was kind enough to join us with some of his precious time off after the football season, but for good reason, to discuss Tyler Algier and what he just left in terms of a legacy at BYU. Harvey, first of all, Merry belated Christmas and a Happy New Year to you.
3: Likewise, Merry belated and Happy New Year to you guys.
1: Now, I know that part of your New Year's resolution is going to be keeping things rolling for BYU football in that running backs room, but... You may have heard you got some big shoes to fill with Tyler Algier declaring for the NFL draft. So let's talk about Tyler and what he did at BYU. We just gave our opinions on where his season ranks among the all-time great seasons of BYU football. You said recently in a tweet you believe he's the best running back ever to come through here. Why is that that you feel that Tyler Algier might just have been the best to ever run the ball
3: at BYU? Well, and I know I'm sure everyone they've all got their own reasons and their own opinions, but, um, you, you take into consideration the things he did over the last two years, especially this last season. Um, and then knowing that he still could have two more years to, to play. Um, and I know I'm like, you're, everyone can say, what if, what if, what if, but, um, to me i don't think they're like if he were to stay 2 years i don't know if there's a record he wouldn't break and i don't i don't know if there's any i don't know if that those records may ever be broken um, if he were to stay the next 2 years in my opinion um, so for that reason that i mean that's one of them but also to see what he did this year um, and not just against some G5 teams or you know some not, I don't want to say not really good teams, but because um, anywhere in college football, these you know the kids are talented. They're you know you're gonna get everyone's best game, and and we we've seen that numerous times. Um, I've seen it playing and coaching, um, but to see what he did against those power five schools, um, to me, it I don't know if there were or have been any other backs. I know Jamal had done it a few times, but I don't know if he'd done it against the number of P five schools that Tyler did um, and had done it consistently Um, so that that was another reason why I had brought that to the table. But the other part, too, was to me, Tyler's he's still so raw, um, just just coaching him that had he stayed next season, I feel like there was still things for him to learn and for him that he could improve on, um, both running wise and and in the past game. Um, so th- those are a few reasons why um, I-, I feel like Tyler, yeah, Tyler would be the the best or is the best back the, uh, to come through the school.
2: Well, and and I want to go back to something that you just talked about. You had mentioned, you know, the the teams that BYU faced this year, and I think we saw this last year with Zach Wilson where people wanted to discount what he did and the numbers he put up because of the competition, and, and last year with what Tyler did in a great year, you know, to a certain extent they wanted to do the same thing. How satisfying was it for you because you see these guys every day and you know what how much work goes into it. How satisfying was it for him to be able to have this season, like you said, against arguably BYU's toughest schedule ever, so that nobody can take away just how good he was.
3: Yeah, I mean I like for that reason it's I shoot, I can't even express how thankful and how grateful and how satisfying it was for him to go out there and, and you know, prove it week week in, week out. He's um and and like you said, people can say whatever they want to say about last season and, and it is what it is. But um, for him to follow up and not just do well, but, you know, supersede what I think anybody's expectations were from last season um, was, man, that was so just gratifying. And, and um, I'm just more grateful than anything.
1: Harvey, you mentioned that Tyler is still in some ways raw. And that's crazy because he was so good, but yet you feel like he can improve in some categories. And certainly the NFL will help him do that in a hurry as it stands right yeah. now with Tyler's current skill set and where he can still improve, where does he fit in the NFL draft, in your opinion?
3: Um, so it's, it's kind of tough. That's, that's a tough question. Just because this, this draft is a little tricky just because of how um, really saturated it is due to COVID. Um, you've got the seniors. I guess the the normal seniors from this year, but also the super seniors from last year that are in this draft. So um, it's, it, it's a little tricky if it were, I guess, you know, any other normal draft to me. And I'm, that's hard for you. It's <laughs> hard for me to answer because I'm biased, but like knowing what I know and the potential that he has, and he had mentioned it too, that the best of his football career is yet to come. Um, I I see him, I would take him as a late day one, early day two guy if if I'm a team, to be honest.
2: I realize, Harvey, that you're certainly not there to make decisions for guys. You're there to give them information and let them do what's best for them. But in a situation like this where a guy is considering, well, should I go pro, should I come back, what role do you take in helping them make that
3: decision? So... If that's funny. We Ty and I, and and you know his family as well too. We we've had long discussions about this, and um, I've always told them that I I will never tell them what to do. Um, I'm never going to, you know, ask them to stay, but I'm also not going to tell them to go, um, just because I, I I don't feel like it's my place to do that. Uh, more than anything, I I pretty much just gave give them the facts, the things that I know, um, the things that I've experienced. Um, and then, you know, kind of gave it on both sides, both the NFL perspective and then both, you know, staying in college and everything like that. So um, really, that, that was all I did for, for Ty and, and his family was kind of gave them, you know, both sides of the spectrum, um, the realities of the NFL. Um, and then, you know, where things could happen, where things couldn't happen, um, if we were to stay, how things could happen, how things couldn't happen, but um, I'll, I'll never, like I said, I'll never tell them what to do or, or make that decision for them. That, that's totally on them and their family, and, and I'll always support them no matter what. And I, They know that. I, I, you know, I don't ever want to come in between um, any of these players and their families and their decisions and everything like that because that's that's not my job. I'm, I'm here to. To coach them and mentor to them and help them but at the end of the day it's it's their life and it's their choice and i'll always support them no matter what
2: what can you tell us uh, about conversations you've had with some of the nfl scouts how do they view tyler in the nfl
3: um you know there's a it's a broad spectrum to be honest like it all depends on the team um with their running back depth um and and a lot of times there's the hype of certain players um, that, for whatever reason, um, I don't know, they, they, they seem to bump up in the draft class. And, and it to me, there's there's certain players that I think get hyped up and are just they're, – they're okay. But then there's other players, um, for instance, like Tyler, who may not get all the hype and stuff from ESPN or, or whoever it is. Um, but to me, deserve that hype and, and deserve, you know, the, the praise and, and the, the credit. And, and um, I, I don't really, I don't understand or, or know how everything um, goes in for draft day. I'm, I'm not a GM and I don't, I don't fully, you know, have a grasp on those kinds of things. But um, the things I go off of are, are obviously, you know, after I'm done, we play teams in college and I get feedback from, you know, the coaches that we just played against and majority of them, like, you know, they, they give me that kind of um, insight onto what they think about Ty and what, you know, things he could work on, but he shouldn't, I mean, for the things that will help him, you know, get to that next level. And a lot of them, you know, mentioned that he's definitely an NFL guy and, and um, it's, I don't know. It's kind of hard. I, I don't, fully understand everything that goes into it. But like I said, I'm probably biased.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Understandably. We all are. We're talking with BYU running backs (laughs) coach Harvey Unga, one of the best to ever run the ball at BYU yourself. And so you're in an interesting position because, Harvey, we just reviewed some of your numbers earlier in the show. And, uh, you know, we we feel like certainly you are one of the best to ever do it. So being in your position and wanting Tyler to succeed – What's the best bit of advice you can offer to Tyler right now as he transitions into the NFL to help him prepare for what's about to happen?
3: Um, just honestly, the biggest thing for him, I think, is, is just con- continue to, to do everything the way that you're doing it. Don't, don't try to be somebody you're not. Don't, don't change um don't change your run game or your run style um, because you think that this is what so and so wants to see or you think that the scouts or the GMs want to see this like, um to me, the biggest thing like do what got you to where you're at, continue to perfect your craft in that way, but also at the same time, like, you know, develop you know the things that you may lack um, but, A lot of times I've seen it where guys, they feel like, you know, so-and-so said, I can't do this. So, you know, on pro day, they try to do things out of their element to try to showcase a certain skill and stuff. And and sometimes it hurts them. Um, But to me, I think if if Tyler just continues to, you know, improve on little things here and there, but continue to keep the main focus, you know, on, on his the way he runs the ball and and how aggressive and how strong and and how physical and his speed. um, You know, I think that'll, that'll help him more than anything. Everything else will, will fall into place. And the other part, I hope he, I don't want him to go into this thing shell shocked when he, you know, when he's there, because he belongs there. And I've seen that in numerous times and I'm guilty of it too. Um, I had gone into, when I went to Chicago, first guy I met over there was um, Brian Erlacher and to me, I'm like, I walked through the weight room and, and he actually um, called out to me and, and you know he yelled my name, Harvey, when I was walking through. In my head, I'm like, he's not calling me. There's no way. <laughs> so I just keep walking, and and he keeps yelling at me. He's like, Harvey. And so I'm like, oh, here. So I I look back and I'm you know I'm kind of shell shocked and everything, um, but that kind of stuff. It, it was cool because he came and you know he welcomed me and everything like that. And a part of me, I was still like fanboying him and looking like holy cow man this guy said what's up to me but in reality like that's my teammate um and i should have you know like i said i was more of like a little kid just walking around just in awe of everything but um i don't want him to go into the league and and feel that way like i want him to go in there and make sure you know he knows he belongs there and that you know he's he's there to you know prove himself and and continue to just you know, kind of start where he left off from over here.
1: All right, Harvey, let's finish with this. Now the question of questions is how do you fill the void that Tyler Algier leaves in the running backs room? You've got some guys for sure. Miles Davis is a guy yeah. that you and the coaches are high on, but got nicked up in fall camp. Jackson McChesney, Hinckley Ropati. you get Lopini Katoa back for some of that senior <laughs> leadership. So who's the guy yeah. that's going to step in and fill those shoes for Tyler Algier?
3: um i'll I'll fill the void the same way I filled it the first time um i have told all the boys like this is nobody's position um you know for now like it, it's it's anyone anyone can can win the position um and they know that they know how we work in our room and and nothing's ever given to anybody um I've told beanie that I've told McChesney that I've told all of them that they they all know and you know, I'm grateful for every single one of these guys in my room because they they know it. They've they've all adjusted and and they said, yeah, we're not you know we're not looking for anything, coach. We'll we we'll earn it the same way that we've always done it. Um, so I you know same way we did with Tyler and and Beanie and and you know when I first got into this position, I'm not I'm not giving it to anybody until they you know they prove themselves and they they earn it. Um, obviously, you know Beanie's got the experience and whatnot, but even he knows I've told him numerous times, like there's, there's going to be guys in the room that step their game up and that are going to push him to his limits. And I expect that of all of them, I want them all to do that, especially, you know, like you said, with Miles Davis, Mason Fakalua, like there's a bunch of young guys that are hungry and, and um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm excited for it. And I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, who, uh, who steps up to the plate and, and I'm sure, any one of those guys can, and we've we've seen it, you know, over the last two years, where guys have stepped up and fill in. Um, so, I'm you know I'm expecting any one of these guys to you know fill those shoes, and 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 they all know that they're capable of, it and they all know that they can, and I uh, I got to do my job and, and coach them up and, and get them get them ready.
1: Harvey, we appreciate, again, you spending some time with us on BYU Sports Nation as we recap what Tyler Algier did and uh, for the insight into what he is now going to face as he transitions into the NFL. Thanks for the conversation in the car, my friend. I hope you enjoy some peace and quiet now that you're done dealing with us.
3: <laughs> oh, It's it's long. Uh, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I got all four, four kiddos with me, and uh, we got a workout. We, uh, we're heading to here in a little bit, so... I appreciate it, though. I appreciate you guys, and hope you guys have a good holiday.
1: Happy New Year. Thanks, Harvey. Thanks, Harvey.
3: Happy New Year, guys. Harvey
1: Unga on BYU Sports Nation. He's the best. Like, when you've got all four kids by yourself, you need to go to the garage and the car so you can have, like, (laughs) a quiet quiet. environment
2: to do an interview. Yes, a quiet time. Absolutely. (laughs) Not bad when you have one of BYU's greatest running backs coaching your running backs. Love it. Absolutely great. All right, coming up, what are your expectations for BYU hoops now that the non-conference schedule is complete?
1: And have you already sharpied in a winning start for BYU football next year? Details
0: on the way. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you by Marisk, enabling global trade for a growing world.
2: Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand by downloading the podcast. All you need to do is Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget why you're there to subscribe, rate, and review.
1: He is Jason, I'm Spencer, and this is BYU Sports Nation. To interact with the show and get content throughout the day, follow us on all of the major social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Let's whip it! Cougar Whip Around, presented by Mersk your integrated container logistics company, enabling global trade for a growing world.
2: Jason, start us up. Spencer, after last night's victory for BYU basketball, Gideon George made a prediction about next week's practices.
0: I feel like we're going to run a lot.
2: (laughs) Running a lot. One, I love his laugh. Yes, he's got a great laugh. How much running do you think BYU Hoops is going to be doing in the next week? I agree with Gideon a
1: lot. You know, no game on Saturday. They looked a little out of sorts last night. Some holiday hangover from Hawaii, the holiday Hawaii hangover, which is understandable. You're down, Spencer Johnson. Seneca Knight. Seneca Knight as well. Also, you still don't have Gavin Baxter, Richard Harward. Like, you're just trying to piece together something. It's tough. It's tough to do that, to be mentally engaged and energized. But uh, a lot of running will will bring them back to reality in a hurry. So I, I expect, uh, I don't know how to quantify it. Yeah, wrap up the cardio. A straight hour of just suicides is what we called them in high school. Running back and forth, up and down the line, touching every line of the Or maybe, line maybe the you go
2: up and down the the, uh, the stairs at the Marriott Center.
1: We're going to run a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jason. Yeah, we not run a lot. Is it a blessing in disguise that BYU basketball gets a week off following the COVID postponement because of issues within the Portland program?
2: Um, I'm going to say yes. And look, you may say that it's just looking for the bright spot or the silver lining. But, yeah, certainly you would want to play the games that are scheduled to to be played when they're scheduled to be played. But, yeah, I think it is because of a lot of what you said. BYU had the games they played, it was a grind getting a couple extra days to rest and go
1: through some practices that may not be the worst thing in the world. Or getting a couple of extra days to run some more. (laughs) So maybe it's not a blessing in disguise for the actual team. But in in all reality, I think it will be. I think BYU needs the time to kind of collect themselves, get right mentally, try and figure out some things because they're still trying to figure out what works and they're starting conference play. It's huge. All right, your boy Big Game Boomer, he's
2: back. He has BYU as the 25th most hated team in college
1: football right now. Compliment? Question mark? So I'm going to guess that that number 25 ranking is based solely on what happens about 45 minutes north of Provo within the state of Utah, and maybe a little bit of San Diego. Okay, <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, the fan bases that can't stand BYU. Well, it's San Diego Wyoming, State, But Wyoming, you know, The internet connection is probably not great for
2: them to vote. Yeah,
1: San Diego State, Wyoming, Utah State, and Utah. Like what other what other fan base like can't stand me? Coastal Carolina? I know Coastal hates BYU. Number twenty. Well, least one of their players didn't like BYU very uh, much. Listen, they want to be BYU. Look,
2: yeah, <laughs> uh, I'll take that. I'll take that. I, I'm going to take it as a compliment. Look, no. if you're if if you're not on this, you're probably not relevant. You're probably. <laughs>
1: Boston College, number two. Number one is UCLA, which is just fantastic. Yeah, that's got to be because... I don't know how they're the number one most hated team because they're not relevant. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Not relevant in college football. BYU opens the 2022 football season at USF in Tampa, Jason. I'm projecting a win in Florida. Agreed. But what about the big road trip to Eugene on September 17th in week three? Which brings us to our stat of the day.
0: It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The
1: Oregon football program was minus 65 points in their last four games. Minus 65? What has happened to the Ducks? So Oregon gets boat raced in three of the final four. Jason, at this point, are you even worried about BYU's game in Oregon next
2: season? Look, look, this team just stopped playing football this year. Um, All I needed was one win. all i needed from oregon was one win against utah it couldn't do that uh but look here here's the thing this is a new coaching staff a new regime i do not expect the same results next year this is still a team that we know has a lot of talent on it this is somebody i I, i'm not overlooking the oregon
1: ducks no i am not i'm still worried about the game at oregon (laughs) yes playing at aughtson stadium They're still the class of the Pac-12. Whether they deserve that title or not, that's a discussion for another day. But they're still the premier team in the Pac-12 right now. Yes. That's how people feel.
2: All right. Last one. Who are you cheering for in the Rose Bowl?
1: Can no team be the answer? (laughs) You have to select somebody. I don't even know how to answer this question. You don't? I do love Britton Covey. I love Britton Covey. I think Britton Covey is an elite human being. And so I'm hoping Britton Covey has a great game for Utah. As far as the result of the game goes, you're not rivals if you don't root for the team to beat your rival. Like So naturally, yeah, Like you're, I'm rooting for Ohio State to win the game, but I do love Britton Covey. Okay. I love him. Right, yeah, this, he's great. This is very easy for me.
2: I cannot
1: stand
2: Ohio State. Can't stand them. (laughs) Cannot stand them.
1: Go Buckeyes. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. I don't. uh, Long live the rivalry. (laughs) All right, Jason, a shout out to an elite member of BYU Sports Nation, Mary Krantz, who tweeted the following kindly in my defense. Spencer, don't let Jason give you a hard time about a 5-1-6, unofficial, 40-yard dash time. For someone who is not an elite athlete, (laughs) thank you, Mary. (laughs) I know I'm not. That translates to about a 12- or 13-second 100-yard dash. The world record's 9-8. I'd like to see you, Jason, run against, or you and Spencer, run against each other. How fast is Chef? By the way, are you related to Mary? No. I mean, she's, she's Uh, I met met her before uh, the Miami Beach Bowl.
2: Uh, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind uh, a little race. You'd mind, as yeah. long as we have the paramedics nearby with plenty of oxygen. I think we'll be just fine. Yeah, do you accept the challenge? Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it on pro day. Let's go. Uh, Laser timed, of course, la- because we do it right.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. All right. I'm in pain already thinking about what could potentially happen there. I think I'm gonna have an asthma attack. <laughs> All right, coming yard up yard sixty-two. <laughs>
2: Do we need to stay after the show and
1: work on our double-down picks? I believe the results say yes. Jason's going to call a timeout at yard 60. Timeout! Timeout! Hammy! Stop right where you are. Then we'll pick it up. We'll resume here. (laughs) Have our expectations for BYU basketball changed as the Cougars approach conference play? Injuries, adversity, COVID. How will it impact everything? This is BYU Sports Nation.
0: BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
2: On the latest BYU Sports Nation right now, Kiki looks back on some of the best moments of BYUSN right now from 2021. You can check it out on Twitter,
1: Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Alongside Jason Shepard, I am Spencer Linton. BYU men's basketball 12-3 and 3 through the non-conference portion of the schedule. Hey, 12 wins in 15 games, considering everything the Cougars went through. Losing Richard Harward minutes into game number one, then losing Gavin Baxter against Utah Valley, and just finding a way to piece together these wins. Playing multiple lineups along the way. Played without Gideon George, who got sick last night. BYU plays without Spencer Johnson and Seneca Knight. I mean, there's been been so much attrition. And that's why Mark Pope told me last night in the post-game interview I did with him, I'm just so proud of the way that these guys have figured it out. They play defense and they rebound, Jason. They've won a lot of games ugly, but who cares? They're winning the yes. games. And they're a projected nine seed in the NCAA tournament, according to Joe Linardi. They have a net of number 30. They're 27 in the Ken Palm rating. So now that BYU has finished non-conference play with everything we just talked about, all of those bits of adversity and attrition, how have your expectations for the Cougars shifted in terms of where they fit in the West Coast Conference?
2: I, I don't think that they have. I, I think the only thing that's changed, and you alluded to it a second ago, is maybe how they win the games. I, I don't expect anything to change in terms of the order that that the teams will finish in the West Coast Conference. I still expect BYU to be number two right behind Gonzaga. That's where I expect them. So, And it hasn't changed because to what you said, look, they, they've been winning games differently,
1: but they're still winning these games. And I don't think that that changes in the West Coast Conference. BYU currently with 5 quadrant 2 victories, 3 losses, they're 5 and 0 oh against quadrant 3 and 4 teams so no bad losses. With the way that teams have worked through the non-conference and the preseason if you will, BYU currently has no quad 1 games, wins or losses. Right. It has become 8 quadrant 2 games, still very tough. A lot of those have happened away from the Marriott Center. BYU's most impressive wins are probably at Utah at Weber State, San Diego State at home. Sorry, Utah State was in Provo. Uh, San Diego State in Provo as well. We'll see if that remains. Hopefully some of these teams that BYU beat can work their way into a Quadrant one situation. And for the road wins... Like Utah, Utah just has to be a top 75 team, so hopefully the Utes can get back in the top 75 because that's a quad one victory. But the point stands, Mark Pope doesn't lose to bad teams. And right. He doesn't lose back-to-back games, Jason. The Cougars understandably lost to a really good Creighton team, which was a de facto road game. The Utah Valley loss is still a head-scratcher, but four players had the flu. Gavin Baxter goes out early with the season-ending injury that kind of took the emotion out of the, uh, the BYU bench. But uh, the one that really stings is the Vanderbilt game. Like that that one stings. I know it's a quad two loss, but that's where I thought BYU could still figure out a way to win. They had a lead late and they and they didn't do what they have done. That's figure out a way to close out the game. So, would like to see BYU 13 and 2 but 12 and 3. My goodness, that's great. As as they transition into conference, the West Coast Conference is better than I thought it was going to be. Well, and we've
2: and we've heard coaches say that going into the season they expected Santa it to Clara's be and it's played out that way.
1: San Francisco apparently is pretty good. I know we've heard it before, but how many th- of the games are we going to see though? I th- yeah. How many teams? The- how many teams is BYU going to face? We don't know that right now. So I we're anticipating that BYU is going to play what sixteen games? Is that how many they play now with the altered West Coast Conference schedule? I believe that's correct, right? Because you only play two teams once. Yes, and you play. And one
2: of one of those, by the way, that BYU is only playing once is San Diego, which may actually be a good thing with all of the issues San Diego has. Sure. And San
1: Diego's at the bottom of the barrel. It's not gonna help your metrics, so it doesn't really hurt. Will BYU be able to play Portland, another team that's well down the net rankings and well down the Ken Palm ratings? So I I, I don't know. Let's say BYU plays let's say they play fifteen games in conference this year, which is probably ambitious. Okay. I thought BYU would only lose four games in conference, maybe that goes to five now just because you don't have a big. Like, beating Gonzaga, that's probably two losses. Winning at St. Mary's, winning at San Francisco, winning at Santa Clara, like, those are tough asks. And then does BYU let one slip at home? Uh, Maybe four or five losses in conference, and BYU finishes with seven or eight losses overall in the season, but still a tournament team.
2: It's so difficult to – look down the road not just because of the games you know what games you're going to play but when you play these teams who are they going to have all of these things that we're that we're dealing with in terms of the athletics world with COVID it's not just are you going to play the game but who's going to be on the floor and I'm not talking about I mean that could be for BYU that could be for the opponent as well you just don't know who you're going to face so it's so difficult to be able to look down the road and accurately gauge what you think's going to happen yeah
1: I projected six losses for BYU in the entire season leading into the West Coast Conference Tournament. That number's probably moved to seven. One more loss just because of not having available bodies and size in the post. But still, it's a great team. It's a really good team. It's a, it's a, it's a solid unit that Mark Pope has, and they figured out a way to and win And they're
2: games. finding different ways to win yes. games, and that's the ultimate yeah. go- end goal is to win games. Who cares? And they're, and Who they're cares doing how it. you win? Just yep, win it. They're winning them. Alright, coming up, a rise and shout out to a great 2021.
1: And again, we are told that we are contractually obligated to recap probably our worst combined effort in double-down picks to date. <laughs> this is BYU Sports. We just air a best of in that segment?
0: <laughs> this portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics.
1: BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the
2: BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast,
1: subscribe, rate, and review while you're there. It is time for our contractually obligated recap of the double-down picks for BYU's game last night against Westminster. We each give two picks about the game. Each one we get correct is worth one point. Not that that matters today. If you get both correct... Get a bonus point for a total of three points per person. Okay, now for our picks. Jason, lead us up. All right, here are Jerem's picks. Uh, He said Spencer Johnson will make multiple
2: threes. That was impossible because he did not play. (laughs) Uh, Hunter Erickson, Trey Stewart, Nate Hanson, and Casey Brown will combine for six-plus points tonight. Jerem got a point for this one. Because Hunter Erickson himself had a career high tech.
1: Yeah, so while he got burned with Spencer Johnson not playing, it was to Hunter Erickson's advantage. Yeah, answer. so he did get one point. Number one for me, BYU will score 100-plus for the first time this season. Yikes. That didn't happen. Missed it by what, like 35 or something? <laughs> Number two, uh, BYU shoot better than 75% from the free throw line. Uh, no, they did not do that either, Jason, so I'm 0 for 2.
2: What about you? All right, mine, uh, Caleb Blown will make at least two threes. No, uh, he did not hit any threes. No point for me. And Seneca Knight will lead all bench scores. He did not. He did <laughs> not play. <laughs>
1: jeremy has got 24 points. I've got 12 on the season. Dave and Jason have five. Our question of the day, where does Tyler Algiers' 2021 season rank all time for BYU running backs? Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Dennis Barnett on Instagram says, the silent assassin with a passion. True blue to the core. When Harb Unga says you're the best, that is high praise.
2: Without question.
1: Maybe number one. Today's rise and shoutouts presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. How about BYU Athletics in general for a
2: fantastic 2021?
1: totally deserved. our thanks to today's
2: guest harvey unga
1: car, a conversation in the car that's right conversation continues 24 7 on twitter instagram and facebook for jason i'm spencer shout out to Fui Vaka Poon. we'll see you tomorrow for the top five moments of 2021 go Cougs.